Hey everybody, you're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Hey, welcome back. Hope you all had a good weekend. Uh, What I'd like to do this week is follow up on something from Sunday that I didn't really talk about much during the message. Uh, You know, in that story about Jesus and the little children coming to him, Jesus says this to his disciples, let the little children come to me and then listen to this and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So the disciples were hindering these children from coming to Jesus. They were blocking them, standing in the way of them coming to Jesus, which means that children were actually trying to get to him. In other words, children were attracted to him. And this is something worth noting. You know, uh, studies, psychological studies, have found that children are primed. They are psychologically disposed toward belief in God. They're inclined to believe in God. They don't have the kind of hang-ups about faith that older people seem to have. Now, typically in our culture, we would see that as kind of a negative thing. We, th- we think that, you know, kids are gullible and naive They don't have the cognitive ability to doubt the extraordinary stories that we find in the Bible. But I want to suggest another possibility, and that is this. Children are attracted to Jesus because they find him attractive. Well, duh, you say. (laughs) What in the world do I mean by that? Well, think about it. Jesus accepts us entirely for who we are. He is gentle and kind He is not judgmental and critical. He doesn't accept or reject people based upon what they look like or how cool they are or how good they are at things or or even what their interests are. In a sense, he is like the most open-minded, welcoming person who has ever lived. And young kids seem to get that. Like I said on Sunday, they realize that they don't have to prove themselves to Jesus in any way. They can just come to him as they are. And, you know, you can see this quality in young children. If you watch a bunch of toddlers or preschoolers playing together, say in a daycare or in a preschool class at school, little kids will play with whoever's there. One kid is playing in the sandbox. Another kid comes along, starts digging alongside them in the sandbox. And the next thing you know, they're building a sandcastle together. I remember uh, when our children were very young, And we would go camping, and you would spend a lot of time on the beach because that's where parents of young children camping actually get to enjoy their vacation for just a few precious hours. (laughs) And our kids, you know, they would always find other kids to play with. They just did it. They weren't worried about whether the other kids were cool or not. They didn't really know what that meant anyway. Um, And they didn't have all that interpretive baggage that comes with growing up and being in the world and gaining all this insecurity that we live with and starting to categorize people according to who's in and who's out or whatever, like us older folks do. Now, I am not for a second saying that kids are perfect. No way. They are overwhelmingly self-centered. I know that. But... They also have an ability, at least on some level, to accept one another unconditionally, at at least for the first 15 minutes of recess before they start stealing each other's toys. And in Jesus, 
they encounter an adult who is unconditionally accepting and welcoming. And so they're attracted to him. Now, it's incumbent upon all us adults, and particularly parents, not to hinder our children from coming to Jesus. And I thought I'd just spend a few minutes talking about ways that we can do just that, ways that we adults, and I am thinking especially of parents, but all adults, ways that we can hinder our kids from coming to Jesus, encountering Jesus, and learning to love Jesus with their whole hearts. Um, Christian parents want their kids to love Jesus, right? Of course they do. Well, how can we avoid being a hindrance to that rather than an encouragement to that? And let me just say, okay, (sighs) I have hindered my kids from coming to Jesus. Even my wife has hindered my kids from coming to Jesus. And you will do that too because we're sinners. And because we're sinners, we will sometimes be deterrents to our kids loving Jesus rather than encouragements. Uh, Sometimes Jessica and I would pray, you know, Lord, please draw our children to you in faith despite our parenting. And so you you got to just own that that will happen. But don't be discouraged by that because the key is what you do with it. When you are a hindrance, how do you handle it? And I suggest you turn it into an encouragement. That's how you handle it. Let me explain what I mean. You know, one way to hinder your kids coming to Jesus is when you caricature, caricature Jesus. You know what a caricature is, right? Um, those street artists who do caricatures during festivals, they, they take a character trait of a person and then they blow it right up, way out of proportion. So if you kind of have a bit of a big forehead, they make it huge. Or if you have a, a prominent chin like Brian Mulroney, now it becomes massive. That's a caricature. And we can sometimes caricature Jesus. Uh, Sometimes we can so emphasize the gentleness and tenderness of Jesus that we make a caricature out of him. Jesus, who is so meek and mild, almost becomes spineless. He's your best friend who never says anything negative, never makes you do anything you don't want to do, never calls you on the carpet for your sin, never really expects much from you. And we can emphasize the acceptance of Jesus so much that he's nothing more than some sweet, smiling yes-man who never makes you feel guilty for your sin. He's never disappointed in your behavior. But, you know, even in this story, we see that sometimes Jesus does get angry. He was angry with the disciples, and that doesn't mean he doesn't love them. In fact, it's, it's the fact that he loves them that gets him angry. Our children need to know that Jesus accepts us as we are, yes, but he's not satisfied with us remaining as we are. Because he loves us, he doesn't want us to stay selfish, for example. So parents, don't be afraid to teach your children that Jesus is not just a savior, but a Lord. Your kids need to see in you that you are trying to follow Jesus because you love him. And Jesus wants them to follow him because they love him. With young kids, a big part of that is teaching your kids to obey you because they love you. You're the first example of what God is like to your children. And you know, often your kids will want to know why they have to listen to you. And when they're young, it's actually a good thing to say, Because I said so. 
you are my child, and I love you, and I said what I said because I love you. Now, you love me, right? You love me too? Of course you do. So you need to show you love me by trusting me and obeying me. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? God said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, why not? Well, you'll die if you don't. Or if you do, sorry. He doesn't say why they'll die, though. They just have to trust him. And, and in doing so, they're showing God that they love him. As your children learn to obey, continually remind them that they are to obey you and obey Jesus out of love, not out of obligation. Not because they'll be punished if they don't, but remember, we hinder our kids when we don't teach them that Jesus wants them to submit their wills to him. Now, at the same time, we have to be careful not to character Jesus as like a you know, a stern taskmaster who's always pointing out our sins and our failures, always reminding us of how we don't measure up. If you look at Jesus in this story, what does he do? He, he scoops these little ones up in his arms and he blesses them. It's like he, he puts his mouth close to their ear and he whispers, you know how much I love you? Let me show you. And then he gives them this massive bear hug. See, grace precedes obedience, always. Maybe you were raised in a home or in a church where you always were made to feel kind of guilty for your sin that you could never measure up, and you always pictured Jesus kind of looking at you uh, with a slightly disappointed look on his face. Know this. Jesus' death is love. He was willing to die for you. He was already pleased with you because of what he's done for you. And so we need to be constantly communicating that to our children. So these are the caricatures. Now, how do we avoid these characters? And let me just offer a few ideas. This is not even remotely comprehensive, okay? But understand that all of these ideas are basically about showing your kids how much Jesus means to you. You're showing them that Jesus is your treasure and that you want him to be their treasure as well. So the first thing that I would suggest is this. Talk to your kids about Jesus. Talk to them about his his majesty, his glory, who he is as the only son of God. Talk about his love for sinners. Talk to them about how he accepted you, mom and dad, while you were still sinners. And this means you may have to let your kids know you're a sinner too. Be honest with your kids about how you fail at times, about how you don't do the right thing. And and don't be afraid to be concrete. You know, this is a bit tricky because you have to do it in an age-appropriate way, and you shouldn't necessarily share all your dirty laundry with your children, uh, even as adult children. But don't be afraid to share stories of your own sinful behavior and how Jesus forgave you and how you're seeking to obey him. And you know, one of the best ways to do this is to actually practice repentance and forgiveness with your kids. When you sin against your kids, make sure you ask them for forgiveness. I'm sorry mommy snapped at you earlier. I'm sorry daddy didn't play with you before when I said I was going to. 
When you fail your children, apologize to them, say sorry to them, even when they're at a very young age, and be quick to do it. You know, one of the most powerful evidences of faith in a believer is when we are quick to own our sin, and when we know it, we repent of it. I have had to do a lot of repenting to my children over the years. But when you know that you are in the grip of Jesus' grace, that he loves you beyond your wildest dreams, you will be able to own up to your shortcomings quickly and admit them to your children. This is, this is how you turn a hindrance, I was angry or I was selfish, into an encouragement. I am so sorry that I hurt you. That was wrong. Please forgive me. And at the same time, you need to be quick to forgive yourself. Make it easy for your children to repent. This has been a real learning curve for me personally. Um, sometimes we parents, and, and I was guilty of this, uh, we can make it hard for our kids to repent to us or to God. You know, we're angry with them, and we let them know it. And then we kind of make ourselves in subtle ways sort of unapproachable. And maybe we say to ourselves, well, they can come to me and they can say sorry, but we don't have a posture of forgiveness towards our kids, and we don't really approach them. But Jesus doesn't wait for us like that. He came to seek us and to save us. Seek out your child when they sin and encourage them to repent. And when they do repent, when they do say sorry, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Don't question the sincerity of their apology. You know, unless they've done this for like the hundredth time uh, in a very short period of time, and they're pretty dismissive about their apology, they, they you know, they just say it to kind of get out of trouble and get over the issue and the situation because it's kind of uncomfortable. But if they say sorry, forgive them and move on. Forget the incident, either actually, like you can't remember anymore, or figuratively, if, if, if you do remember the incident, you treat them as though you have forgotten it. All right, so that's the first thing. The second thing, you got to treasure Jesus yourself, friends. When you love something, you try to learn as much about it as you can. If you love Jesus, you will try to learn him. You will study him. And the Bible and books on the Bible and theology and about Christian living is a big way of doing that. The best way to hinder your children coming to Jesus is by demonstrating how unimportant he is to you by, you know, you, you don't attend worship regularly. You don't really do devotions regularly. You, you rarely talk about him in the home or rarely listen to worship music or rarely involve yourself in church ministry or service opportunities. All that communicates to your kids that you don't really treasure Jesus. You may like him. You may think that he's pretty important, but you know, lots of things in life are important, right? And he just looks like one of the many things that matter to you. But Jesus, as we've seen in the last number of weeks, he is an imperialist. He wants all of us. He wants to be not just important, he wants to be our treasure. And you communicate that to your kids by letting them see you treasure Jesus. They see you in prayer. They see you studying the word. They see you listening to worship music. They see you heading out to serve a neighbor or someone in the church. You're involved in a ministry. 
All right, third thing is demonstrate sacrifice for Jesus. Over and over, the Bible says that there is a cost to following Jesus. We will make sacrifices for Jesus if we love him. We will deny personal desires we have in order to follow and honor Jesus. So are there tangible ways that you are sacrificing for Jesus? Are there things that you are not doing, things that you might otherwise love to do, but you're not doing them simply because you love Jesus? And are there things that you have started doing, things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise do, but you are doing them simply because you love Jesus? Your kids need to know that. They should know what those things are. See, Jesus says that if we lose our lives for his sake, we will find it. In other words, the way to the abundant life, the way to deep fulfillment, the way to profound, mysterious, joyful living is not through satisfying our every desires. It's through submitting our wills to Jesus' will. It's not through having the freedom to do whatever we want. Paul says in Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That is impossible to understand unless you actually do it. True freedom is found in serving Jesus by serving others. Your kids will never understand that until they experience it because it, it goes against every instinct of our human nature and it goes against the logic of our minds. It's true and it's true because Jesus said it's true but you can only discover that truth by experiencing it. Now, in the end, it is Jesus who draws our children to him. It is not us. It's his attractiveness, not ours. It's his beauty, not ours. But there's no doubt that we play a role in drawing our kids to himself, and surely we don't want to hinder that, do we? So the last thing I'll say is this. Pray. Pray. Pray for your kids that they would run to Jesus, that they would trust in him. But don't just pray that on your own when you're by yourself or with your spouse. That's a good thing to do, of course. Do it. But don't just do that. Pray that prayer for them when you're with them. Let them hear from your own lips your longing to see them give their lives to Jesus. Don't, don't be afraid of doing that. You're expressing the deepest desires of your heart to your kids. It's good for them to know that. It's good for them to hear that. I, I'm sure there are many other ways that we hinder our children from coming to Jesus, and I could probably wax poetic about it for a long time. But that's it for now. This is another edition, the end of another edition of the Clearer Thinking Podcast. I hope you have a terrific week, and we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers.